This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. If you are a regular listener, thank you for tuning in each week. My hope is the conversations you hear lead you to dig deeper into God's Word, His work in the world, and how hard and good go hand in hand. If you're new here, welcome. I encourage you to follow Grace Enough on your favorite listening app so you will receive new episodes when they drop each Tuesday and be able to catch up on old ones. If you're curious who's coming on the show in the next few weeks, you can find a list pinned at the top of my Instagram page at graceenoughpodcast underscore Amber. This week, I am honored to welcome Richard Foster and Brenda Quinn to the show. We discuss humility in a me-centered world, which Foster writes about in his newest book, Learning Humility. Richard is a theologian, the founder of Renovare, and author of a number of books, including Celebration of Discipline. Brenda is a pastor of spiritual formation at Living Way Fellowship in Denver. She is an author and has a long association with Renovare. I think you'll find this conversation on humility quite needed in the world of chaos in which we're currently living. Good afternoon, Richard and Brenda, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Good afternoon. Thank you so much. And uh, it's a great title, Grace Enough. Thank you. For all of us, and in every situation, there is plenty of grace. Praise God (laughs) for that. I certainly need it always, but particularly in this season of having growing children. Uh, I've heard that that doesn't really change as they become adults, but maybe I'm just realizing how much more I need it lavished on me during this time. (laughs) I have a prayer for parents of teenagers. It's a very liturgical prayer. It goes this way. Oh, God, help. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. We breathe in, do the breath (laughs) prayer. Oh, God, and out, help. Yes. Well, as we begin this conversation, we're going to be talking quite a bit about humility. And I first want to ask, how are the two of you connected. I am assuming it's through Renovare, but I want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit about how your paths crossed, maybe a little about Mm -hmm. Renovare. So either one of you, Brenda or Richard, whichever would like to get started. We have been working kind of off and on together for probably more than 20 years. Um, We both moved back to Denver around during the same summer back in the 90s. He was relocating here with Renovari. And I had learned about Renovari in the earlier years when I'd been out in Los Angeles and had heard Richard speak a couple times and loved Renovari and had been getting their newsletter. And um, we became acquainted that same summer that we both came back to Denver. 
And just since then, I've had a chance to write for the Renovari uh, Life with God Bible and um, do some other projects with Renovari. And so have just known Richard and we've become friends over that time. So I'll let Richard tell about how this book came into being and how I got involved. Well, first, Brenda has a wonderful family and is the pastor of spiritual formation at a lovely church in the South Denver area. And uh, when I, well, the idea for this book, Learning Humility, I was uh, just, (laughs) it was actually a New Year's Eve when I was thinking about New Year's Eve resolutions. And I thought, Mm -hmm. no, I'm no good at these things. Uh, New Year's Eve resolutions, (laughs) they last a week and a half. You know, but I was just wondering about it. And I'd been thinking for a very long time about the relationship in our day with humility and its lack, and how all through Christian history, this has been a virtue that has been valued as most as the most basic of the virtues. And uh, so I was wondering about that. And on that New Year's Eve, I felt addressed with just two words, learn humility. Mm. And I thought, oh, I think that's for me. And so I began to write, but just a journal. Uh, I had this, someone had given me uh, for a New Year's Eve, or maybe it was a Christmas gift, a, a little red journal. And and I'm not good at that either. I have <laughs> probably a dozen half-written journals over there in my bookshelf. But I I started writing and almost dream of consciousness. I mean, I'd have an experience and try to write about it and so on. And as time went on, now I didn't tell anybody that, uh, you know, what I was doing particularly. But as time went on, I thought, gosh, this may have be helpful to some others. But I, I I really felt like I needed to test the waters a little. So Brenda was one that I touched base with and all oh, four or five others that uh, as I wrote from chapter to chapter, that they would read and give input. And Brenda particularly was so good at uh, questioning what I wrote and and developing it more and thinking about things and asking questions. And so as we went along, now this took quite a while. I'm old these days, and so I'm much slower <laughs> in writing. <laughs> but uh, then when the the idea, I mean, the realization that, oh, my, we're going to have a book out of this. And that means, you know, you need to do podcasts and things like that. And, uh, oh, I need somebody to help me in that. (laughs) Now, it's important important because uh, the last thing we need is an expert on humility. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. And uh, so I felt that it would be good to bring another person in, in in terms of these events, And Brenda was my choice, and she was so gracious. I mean, remember, Brenda has a full-time job. Yeah. She's busy with kids. Wasn't it four kids, Brenda? No. No, I I have three sons, but I'm almost empty nest, but two home at the moment. Uh, And I wanted a pastoral voice. I felt that was important, and 
Brenda brings that, and I wanted uh, a female, a woman's voice, because I just felt uh, that kind of perspective helps us a lot in thinking about the idea of humility. Yeah, well, I was particularly interested because a recent conversation I had with Rick Langer and Joanne Jung, they just, they've released a book last year called The Call to Follow, Mm -hmm. really addressing our obsession with leadership. And it was so interesting because in our conversation, Rick was talking about how he had picked up a leadership book from early 1900s and how the whole thing was pretty much about virtuous living. Yet today... If you pick up a leadership it's book, it's more about how to assert yourself, how to uh-huh. influence people, how to use your strengths and improve upon them. And so dig in a little bit more, um, either one of you, when it comes to, you know, you said you wrote this book because it seems like it's something being lost. Like, why is it so important right now for us to be talking about humility in light of um, the way we, even we as Christians think about virtues? Absolutely. And that's such a helpful illustration, this older book, thinking about a virtuous life, that is how to be a good person. Mm-hmm. But today, that's just about the last thing we think about. And that's kind of true across the board. So I felt that the virtue, humility as a virtue isn't lost. We can really for it and find it. But it's disappearing. Mm -hmm. That is, it's no longer thought of as essential to a good life. Hmm. If people even think about those things nowadays. And Brenda and her work at the church has been able to see, uh, you know, some of the struggles people have with this because of our culture. Mm-hmm. We live in a, you know, a, what is it, Brenda? We live in a pretty self-focused culture, I think, right? Yeah. That's kind of the water that we swim in all the time. Um, and I, I was just thinking recently, you know, cause we keep, we we're doing these podcasts and I'm just thinking about humility. We're talking about it all the time. And another thought that came to me recently was, you know, people who don't really think about humility all that often, maybe don't ponder it, maybe don't, maybe they're not in the word as much. So it's not a a virtue they really consider very much, I think would maybe on the outset, think of it as, as being passive, that, mm. that humility is kind of passivity. It's, it's just sitting back and not being aggressive, not being assertive, not being proactive, mm. you know, in the way I live my life. And that's really not humility. That that wasn't Jesus at all, right? When we think about Jesus' life, and as Christians, we want to we want to become Christ-like. And Jesus was humility. Jesus was the definition of humility, but he wasn't passive. So so it's it's a much different kind of a definition and understanding than I think people might come at it with if they're if they're just so much in the world, like so many of us are. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Well, and so that's what's interesting too is that. Even the definition of humility is the absence of pride and arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. Is there something that you would add to that definition? Yes, indeed. Right. As a believer, particularly, because that's who we're speaking to. Right. And for those who are listening, we're talking about a life 
that is other-focused and, of course, God-focused. And this, uh, Brenda was so right about the self-centered, selfish, the narcissistic, all of these kinds of things that, and in, in humility, we're able to open up to other people. Mm-hmm. and to value them and so that we don't have to be constantly taking our own temperature and trying to figure out if we come across well and if people like us and all of that kind of me 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 stuff mm-hmm. we find other human beings of interest and we can focus on them and most of all we can uh I would say if you want to learn about humility, just read the Gospels Mm -hmm. and you'll see Jesus and just watch him and watch the flow of humility that doesn't need to feel important, but cares for especially the outcast, the bruised, the broken, and values every single person, the preciousness of every person. And humility opens us up for that. Mm. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. When you guys think about the life of Jesus in the Gospels and just his character, Is there anything in particular that comes to mind that really is a good demonstration? I know we can say his whole life um, of humility, but the reason why I ask that is because sometimes I, I wonder if people really dive into what they're witnessing Jesus do in his Mm -hmm. active life. Uh And so I guess maybe a couple of examples of how we see him act in humility, maybe when he is speaking out against Uh something. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's first just get the idea. It was said in Scripture that Messiah would not break a bruised reed Mm. nor quench a smoldering wick. Mm. You see, Jesus would never snuff out the smallest hope. He Hmm. would never crush the needy. Just watch as he handles the situation of the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. And how he deals with that, and then how he deals with her and Mm -hmm. values her and says, 
uh, where are your accusers? They're all gone. Neither do I accuse you, see? Never crush a bruised reed, nor quench a smoldering wick. Yeah. When I think about what's beautiful from that example, too, is that we can even pay attention to what how Jesus responds to the men who are about to stone her. That is very humble, too, because he is not vindictive or right. just honest, stating the facts and saying, if <laughs> you have not sinned, cast the first stone, you know, so you see exactly. it even there on both sides. And I mean, gosh, that struggle, that's such a struggle for me. <laughs> that's where that grace comes in, Brenda and Richard, right? That's where we need it. it. But Brenda, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I was just thinking about, you know, looking at how Jesus spent all of his days. How did he spend his days? Who did he choose to, as his 12? He, you know, he chose such common people and a variety of people, you know, mm. from tax collectors to fishermen, um, not the leaders, you know, they weren't the leaders of society. They weren't the people that that you'd be with because you wanted to be important. And, and women, he spent so much time with women, which in that, in that age was mm -hmm. a leader in that time would not, and children, how, how he elevated children and told the children to come to him. You know, and even when he was doing miracles, he he was so interruptible. He he would allow interruption, mm. and he would allow himself to be deterred from, you know, healing someone or or raising someone from the dead or whatever it was, because someone else came with a need first. You know, he wasn't so tied to an agenda and he, you know mm. his important schedule that he had to keep. And so. When we think about humility, something that I love, Richard, that you write about in the book is some of the characteristics of humility that may not seem as obvious to people. I know one of those is just laughter, freedom, um, <laughs> you know, and, and but I think it's important sometimes to make those connections because we don't always make those connections. Flesh that out a little bit. What are some of those maybe unlikely characteristics? Let me tell you just a little bit about laughter and why holy hilarity yes. is part of a life of humility. Now, I don't mean laughter that we, when we do it at the expense of another human Correct. being. But laughter, when we are free from the need to position ourselves or try to make sure that we've uh, said just the right thing and you know all of those you're able to you're just set free from all of that mm. see one of the dangers for religious folks is that they can be stuffy bores oh my gosh amen and, uh, amen <laughs> <laughs> And humility sets us free from all that. We we don't have to position or try to impress or mm. improve our resume. Those things just kind of fall away. And we can just be with people mm. and enjoy people, see? Mm. And we can laugh at our own foibles. We can realize that we're... <laughs> We're not so good at much of anything. 
and it's it's a great joy. I was with a lady that had had a she'd been through a lot of stuff, tough time, and I went to see how she was. And I go in. Her name was Edith. She was stitching one of those uh, patterns that spell things out. Mm-hmm. And I said, where did you get that? And she said, well, the other day the Lord spoke to me and she was writing in that stitchery what she felt God said. And this is what it said. Fun ahead, saith the Lord. Oh, <laughs> I she, love it. <laughs> she used the old English saith, fun ahead, saith the Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you um, a conversation I actually had with one of your, well, I don't know if you'd call him a pupil, but with Jim Smith, and he was telling me a story. He was telling (laughs) me a story about one of the first times he really realized holiness and hilarity can go together. And it was when Dallas um, had on his dress shoes and high socks, but regular shorts. And they were just, it was after a long day of talking and he's like up, you know, turning the channel for, for anybody (laughs) listening that doesn't know what I mean by turning the channel. It was one of the 13 channels where you had to get up and actually turn the knob. (laughs) And he said, all of a sudden he just starts dancing and laughing at himself, (laughs) just dancing and laughing. And he said, it was one of the most wonderful moments. Like it was nothing but just laughter and fun. Right. And indeed. Yes. The two. Yeah. They, they go hand in hand. They absolutely do. And he would always wear those old (laughs) dress shoes. (laughs) It didn't didn't matter. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, let me let me ask you guys this because um you you wrote a couple of questions in the book that is kind of you know helps you discern your growth in humility. And so what I want to do is share each one of those and have one or both of you expound uh-huh. on why you think they're helpful to ask. And this is, you know, what we would ask ourselves personally. Just before you do that, sure, we need to get clear about the first step in humility, and that is to know ourselves. Mm. You know, Aristotle's know thyself. So a sense of where we really are. Now, humility comes from humus, the earth, and some people need to be brought down to the earth. Mm. And those <laughs> kinds of questions help to do that. Now, some people need to be, uh, you know, they're groveling and worm theology stuff, and they need to be helped up. They need an honest sense of who they are. Now, there's more than that, but that's the first step Mm. in humility, just to have an honest sense of ourselves. Okay, so your questions. Well, but before we do that, then that might be a good time to ask, like, how do you really, like, what are some of the first good steps to say, okay, I want to work on humility? Because it's like Mm -hmm. Brenda said, it's not a passive thing. It doesn't mean you're weak um, or that you just sit around and let people trample over top of you. You do, but you still have to practice. We don't just wake up and say, well, today we're humble. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so important to get that, what you're getting at, because the last thing you do in humility is try to get humility. You Mm -hmm. don't do a frontal attack on these things. It is 
an understanding of the righteousness of the kingdom of God mm. through indirection. So instead of trying mm. to become humble, because what happens is we'll say, well, I doubled my humility this year. <laughs> See, that doesn't work. <laughs> no. So we learn to we we learn indirection. For example, first we learn to know ourselves, and then we learn to value other human beings. Mm. So that's the project. I had a friend who for a whole year, every day, he would pray this prayer, Lord, lead me to someone I can serve today. Mm. Isn't that nice? And mm. he had some really interesting stories about uh, how his day would change because he found somebody to serve. Wow. Wow. And that that will develop humility in a person. Yeah. Well, and Brenda, in the role that you play in serving as a spiritual formation pastor at your church, what would you say to that question? Just as you've watched people maybe try to grow in humility or even yourself? Well, you know, I think if we're walking, if we're walking with Jesus, most of us would say, I, I want to become more Christ-like. I, I want to become more like Jesus. So I think if we're going to pursue humility, it's it's probably better to say, I, I want to be like Jesus. I want to keep growing like you, Lord. Teach me and help me. Keep keep helping me to be in touch with your life inside of me mm. instead of my own flesh and my own human you know, tendencies. Yeah. Um, and when, when we're talking about knowing yourself, it, it really means why, why do I do what I do? Mm. Why, why do I follow in the ways that, of the world around me? Why, why am I so upset when this happens? Or why does this, why do I have trouble in this relationship? Or, you know, it's, it's examining those things. And I think some of us are more introspective than others about who we are. And I, so I think that's the first thing you need to know. Are you somebody who thinks about that kind of thing? Do you, do you naturally look inward? Do you naturally try and understand why you do what you do? Because some of us do that more naturally than others. And mm -hmm. I, some of it's a personality thing. And, and some of it I think is just learned, but that's part of truthfulness is being able to look at ourselves and understand why we do what we do and what motivates our behavior, what motivates our goals and what we're what we're seeking in life, you know, that's all, that all um, is wrapped up in how we see ourselves and understand ourselves. Um, so that's, that's why we want to do that because that's the first step in saying, okay, I, I was really doing this to impress these people, but did I, did I really need to impress them? Was it mm. that really my responsibility or did I need to instead leave that in God's hands? How mm. that those people felt about me, you know, that's, that is one first big step. And a lot of the old devotional writers write about that exact thing. Richard writes, gives many quotes in the book about knowing yourself and coming in touch and understanding your sinfulness, you know, and we kind of don't like to think about that and talk about that, but that's just a reality, right? Yeah. Um. So I, I think those are the beginning steps. And then from there, we can gradually let go and start to look more to God instead of continually trying to be in control of my life and mm. control how my life plays out and how people feel about me and the, you know, ways that I'm meeting my goals and all these things. Um, we can focus on God and what he wants for us. And I think when that can start to happen, lo and behold, we find 
wow, God has some things for me that are actually going to be really good for me that I would never have come to on my own in controlling my own life. Mm. Maybe if I can let go a little bit and set my eyes on him instead of always on myself and having so much control over my life, maybe God has some really good things for me that are going to surprise me Mm. if I'll just, you know, try and let go and try and set my eyes on him instead of on myself. So I think those are just some of the starting points. Yeah. And the whole thing of asking yourself questions requires that slowing down. Mm -hmm. And I know the two of you are very, very big on it. I mean, you, you can't grow in the virtues that God puts before us. Well, you can, but it's a lot harder if you're not going to slow down and put in the time to Mm -hmm. evaluate and make change and pray and all of that. I was just going to say, you've said it well. We learn to enter into the cosmic patience Mm. of God. Mm. And it's a kind of rhythm of life. And it does involve letting go, slowing down, being attentive to ourselves, to God, to other people, Mm -hmm. to what they have to say. Those are the things that uh, involve. Now, I know you have these questions, I which do. we want to hear. Yeah. Why is it important when we're thinking about humility to ask, am I genuinely happy when someone else succeeds? That's a beautiful sign of the work of humility in a person's life. Because when somebody else succeeds and I go, oh, that's wonderful. Good for you. Mm. especially it's if it's in a field that uh, maybe I work in or right one of the old jokes used to be in churches was well we didn't do very good this year but praise the lord the baptist down the street didn't either <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no what we say is the methodists down the street have done very well this year great that's right Yay, God. I'm all for them. We're on the same team. Absolutely. (laughs) Brenda, do I have less need to talk about my own accomplishments? I think, again, it's part of that process of looking inside. and, And if we can get to a place where whatever it is that we're accomplishing, or maybe that's not even the word we want to use, is it, you know, I've been faithful to what God's asked me to do. And that is the fulfillment in itself, you know, not. I I need to flaunt myself before others and make sure they know the the important things I've been doing, but that my fulfillment comes just in my faithfulness to God and and partnering with him and whatever he's doing in our world that he's calling me into with him. You know, why, why are we doing it? Is it to get acclaim from others or, or is it because I'm just following the Holy spirit hour by hour every day. And that's, Hmm. That's where I get my gratification. That's that's where I just, because I'm walking with God in what I'm doing. That's all I need is that fulfillment of being with him in what I'm doing. That is all that is needed, you see. And uh, we, we work and do our work to the audience of one. Mm-hmm. That's God. Mm. And so we don't have to announce anything we don't have to tell about, uh, you know, the old name dropping stuff that we've met so and so. We don't need that. People don't need to know that we've done this or that. Uh, we just do what we need, what we're called to do. 
mm-hmm. and leave the matter at that. But that's the point of the work of the kingdom in hiddenness. We need to do many things that nobody else knows about. They don't have to know about it. And we just keep it to ourselves. I'll say, <laughs> I, I read this list and I was like, I didn't think I was a very prideful person, but I do after <laughs> I read this list. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of why these made it onto my my questions for the two of you, because I was, I mean, in a good way, right? Like, I mean, seriously, in a good way, because I'm like, oh man, who? That's good. Those can cut to the core in a good way, though. Um, yeah. All right, the third one is: is the inner urge to control or manage others growing less and less in me? Isn't that the great liberation? We don't need to control each other. We just are with each other. Mm. And we bring the life that God gives us to one another. But each person uh, makes decisions, and we must allow them to do that, even if they're bad decisions. And we're there to help pick up the pieces, if that's the case. Mm. But managing and controlling, that's not our business. That's God's business. I had to learn that in the first church I pastored because I always wanted to rescue people, uh, make sure that they don't make bad decisions. I had to just let go of all of that and learn to be with people and be with them in whatever decisions they make. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because (laughs) I've recently learned and I just had not really connected the two previously. If I had, I had shoved it so far from my brain on purpose that I just refused to acknowledge it. But that so often any of the responses I have that are angry or fits of rage almost always come from my need or my feeling of, I got to control this. And if I don't, everything's going to fall apart. Right. And that's where my husband will say, remember what Dallas says, you don't have to make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. That's a good word. (laughs) All right. The last question is, can I genuinely enjoy a conversation without any need or even any desire to dominate what is being said? Well, I think, I think we can look at Jesus again as our model in that one. And, you know, Jesus he wasn't passive in conversation. He certainly spoke a lot. He taught, he responded to people. He asked a lot of questions, but he, but yet he didn't dominate the conversation and and think how many times he would leave someone with a question. He wouldn't even fully explain always. He'd let things be a little bit mysterious. And I mean, I think he probably even frustrated people a lot because he didn't mm. explain enough sometimes, you know, but he 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 didn't he wasn't controlling them you know we're talking about controlling god doesn't control us he gives us so much freedom and and he certainly certainly allows us to make our mistakes yeah. um and go down the wrong paths he he's our model there think of when jesus was on trial for his life hmm. and he spoke not a word hmm. and you remember how frustrating it was to pilot And Pilate said, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have power over you to give you life or death? Now, Pilate had no power over Jesus. Mm. (laughs) He knew, Jesus knew who was in control. Mm. That the power of the Lord is over all. And that's what we learn in our lives, too. 
so that we don't have to speak up and straighten everybody out on things. Many times, it's just a good thing to be quiet, and uh, God will take care of things. Ooh. <laughs> Those are all good for me. <laughs> Those are all very, very good for me. Well, me let's, too. Let's close with this. Do you have any tips, both of you, for how people can celebrate and continue to foster humility with their families, maybe their parents, you know, so they're, they're mm -hmm. trying to foster this and encourage this in their children. Maybe they're discipling a group. I know I also, you know, I meet with a group of middle school girls. So anybody in those types of roles, do you have any just practical tips for how to kind of, you know, make it more appealing than what our culture tends to make humility? We need to model this. And you're with your group of girls, preteens or teens, mm -hmm. and uh, valuing every single person, and especially watch for the one that is shoved aside, yep. slip over and just give them some attention. Mm. That's humility. And they'll pick it up. They pick up arrogance so quickly. They they see that stuff. And likewise, when that is not there, when there is a, a giving spirit, a humble spirit, they'll know. Mm. They'll know. Mm, I appreciate that. Brenda, anything yeah. you want to add there? Along with that modeling, it, it's modeling how, how we live our lives focused on Jesus instead of on building our own lives and kind mm. of building our own kingdoms. You know, because our, our world's telling us we need to build our own kingdom. Yeah. Um, but yet we're, we want to live your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mm -hmm. so I think just like Richard's talking about it, you know, it's caught as much as it's taught mm -hmm. and living that way is going to, they're going to catch that. They're going to catch that focus. But I also think at the same time, using the word humility with them is, is a good thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And focusing on scriptures that talk about humility because they're not going to hear that word other places. Sure. So it's good. It's good for them to hear it from us. Yeah. Oh, that's a good word too. Cause I sometimes forget, you know, that our kids particularly, and I mean, even the middle school kids, you know, that I lead just not every single week, but regularly, it's hard to believe they won't hear the word. But then I think I don't hear the word very much and I'm in the word. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just think of how many sermons you've heard on humility. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Not very mm. often. Be a good sermon series, wouldn't it? Let's just work through virtues. Mm -hmm. Let's pull those out of the Bible and make that our topical sermon. <laughs> and the point that Richard makes in the book that humility so underlies every other virtue. You can't even have the other virtues if you don't have humility first. And that's, that's quite a, a truth to grapple with. Yeah. Very so, good. Well, I appreciate you, Brenda and you, Richard, for your time and for this conversation and for stirring some things up in me that I hope are also being stirred in those who are listening. So um, yes. thank you so much for your time. Amber, we want to just say, but for both of us, we're so thankful that you wanted to work on this topic. Mm. How good. It's not in the top 10 list of anybody mm. of anything. And so 
that you would be interested in thinking about this is a gift. And for those who are listening, we're glad you have chosen to listen to this discussion and hopefully that it will lead you into more. Absolutely. Thank you. Amen. If you found today's conversation meaningful in your walk with Jesus, be sure you're following the show on your favorite listening app. We have conversations like this every Tuesday. Also, if you're curious about who's joining me in the next few weeks, you can find the calendar on Instagram at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.